On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about the value of solitude, the power of understanding where your idols began, and why it's so much easier to continue with something than it is to start all over again. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to this episode number 119 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own, sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. And I hope you're well. I hope you've been well since the last time we sat down to record an episode like this. I'll be honest, I was just thinking before I hit record, it feels like an absolute lifetime ago when I last sat down and recorded a solo episode. And of course it wasn't. It was two weeks ago, as it always is. But I think what has made it feel like it was a long time ago is because, of course, last time I sat down to record an episode like this, I was in that school over in East London recording it in that dark multimedia room, as you might remember. Um, And so the last time I sat down in this room here in the office in Wales to record an episode like this was a month ago. And that feels like a long time, but it's good to be back. It's good to be doing an episode like this and just thinking out loud for a few minutes, as is the plan today. Um, What have I been up to since we last spoke? I've been all over the place, to be honest. Um, I think just after I recorded that episode a couple of weeks ago, I was then obviously back to Wales Uh, then went to Southampton for a couple of days at the beginning of the following week, back in the office on the Tuesday, worked through until Friday night in the office, had a few uh, half day long meetings, which is always a challenge, but good fun. Then went to Torquay on Friday night, locked myself away in a hotel room on Saturday, as was the plan. You might remember actually this time last year, I did the same over in Cardiff Bay, booked a hotel and just disappeared for a couple of days to focus on some internal pattern work, which inevitably never gets done as a priority because it's my job within the business to kind of take care of everything that comes into and leaves the agency on behalf of our clients. And that means that often, even with the best planning in the world, even with uh, the systems and the processes that we have in place, my time is often not focused on patter itself as a business internally as it could be and so every now and then I like to disappear same as what I did in Dublin over the new year same as what I did in Cardiff Bay this time last year disappear lock myself away in a hotel room for a weekend and just focus in the most undistracted way you can believe on patter stuff and so we're talking you know I woke up at I think 8am on the Saturday I went down to get breakfast and then I came back upstairs I switched on that forest app that Nir Eyal spoke about last week. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, so my phone was on the other side of the room. I had no notifications on my laptop. Uh, Richard, who was in the hotel room next door, I basically told him, look, don't phone me. I'm busy. I'm focusing. And I sat there and I worked in like a really, truly undistracted way for a good six or seven hours. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken about books like Deep Work by Cal Newport before. And there really is something to the idea of sitting in complete 
solitude, right? And I think Cal Newport defines solitude as kind of away from the thoughts of others, away from any input from another individual, right? Because if you're sat trying to work, but you're listening to a song, that song is taking up real estate in your brain, right? You're not in solitude. You may be alone. You may be sat in a room on your own, but you're not in solitude. Similarly, if you've got push notifications coming through on your phone, you're not in solitude. Similarly, if you're looking out the window and trying to listen to a conversation that's happening outside or whatever it might be, all of these things take us away from what we should or want to be focusing on. And they kind of limit our ability to actually do our best work. And I'll be honest, there was a lot that I needed to get done that weekend. And so whilst I could have drove the 10 minutes from the house to the office and worked out there in the office, I just thought that it would be distracted. I would want to pop into Cardiff or go and get lunch or speak to somebody or whatever it might be. And so I literally just took the extreme approach, locked myself away for two days, went out for dinner each night, which was nice. But other than that, just disappeared, worked very hard, got done almost everything I needed to get done. And I think I'm going to do the exact same at the end of this month. It might become a monthly thing where I just look at a fairly decent, cheap hotel see where it happens to be in the country and then just go there it's an excuse to travel to nice places Torquay is lovely I have always said that Devon is somewhere I never want to go back to again I take that back the rural middle of nowhere Devon that I've previously been to is definitely somewhere I don't want to go back to would be happy if I never went back there however Torquay which I think is in Devon it'd be awkward if it isn't Torquay is lovely um reminds me a little bit of <laughs> Not sure if I can get away with saying this. It reminds me a little bit of the TV program Benidorm, actually, where it's just like tanned old people drinking pints at 11 a.m. and having a great time and singing along to Sweet Caroline, which is great. I had soundproof windows in the hotel, so I couldn't hear outside until I went on my walk and saw that. But Torquay's nice. So it's a great excuse to see places when I do that. But then it is almost my only opportunity to really get solitude because when I'm in Corby, I'm working from home. And yes, I'm on my own a lot of the time, but that's not solitude. When I'm in the office, offices are busy environments. There's phone calls, there are conversations, there are emails piling in. My phone's on my desk. Someone's just popped in. There's a client meeting in two hours. Like that is not solitude. And as much as I fight the case in our business to have an environment at least for a few hours a day where we can all just do deep work, where we can all focus on the most important tasks of the day individually. It doesn't always happen because it can't always happen. And so that was very valuable. Um, so I got back from Torquay on Sunday uh, and I have basically been in the office ever since. Uh, other than yesterday, I took a bit of an impromptu half day because we were supposed to be doing a pitch over in London on Wednesday, which is yesterday today. I appreciate you'll probably listen to this on Friday. So on Wednesday, there was going to be a pitch in London, which has since been moved back. And so uh, I had wanted to go and see Sigrid, who is currently doing her album release week tour at the moment over in Bristol. And I was a bit gutted that I couldn't go because of this pitch, which obviously had to take priority, clashed with it. But that pitch moved. And so at the very last minute, I bought a ticket to that gig. Took a little half day, jumped on the train because there's no way I'm driving to Bristol. That's not happening. And then I had a little walk around Bristol, which is actually lovely. I just said that about Torquay as well, didn't I? But I've only ever been to Bristol when Cameron is DJing. And so I've only ever been to Bristol at nighttime when it's dark and you can't really see anything. And it's just full of drunk students. But Bristol, I almost said Torquay, Bristol in the daylight, in the daytime, in the sun was lovely. 
Um, saw the Sigrid gig, went on a little walk, saw a Banksy for the first time. Never seen a Banksy in real life. And then I came home, slept, worked in the office today. And now here we are. So that is the last two weeks of my life summarized. Uh, and I'm going to drive back to Corby tomorrow. I may need to be back in Wales for one day on Monday, which will be a nightmare if so. But I'm hoping not. I know what I mean. I'm hoping I won't be. But, you know, if I am, I am. If not, I'll be spending the week in Corby and then I'll be back in Wales uh, around this time next week. So that's what I've been up to. Um, something else, obviously, that's happened since we last spoke like this is the Near AO episode came out. And you might have seen my tweets or story just after I recorded that conversation. But I mean, two things. Firstly, Near is literally the ideal podcast guest and I don't mean that he is like a dream podcast guest by the way he is he's always been on my list but he's also just such a professional from the beginning to the end of that conversation he holds attention so bloody well and he knows exactly what he is talking about both for the questions which are very predictable and also I think it's fair to say the questions that he perhaps didn't expect like he is just so good at constructing an answer in such a way that is insightful but also pulls on knowledge that you may not expect it's just an incredible guest and also of course we were we were speaking about his book indistractable there was a step i missed out because i wasn't trying to align my questions with the steps in the book i was just kind of pulling on random thoughts but such a professional that he literally said we've missed a step i'm going to answer your question and then go back to it so you the listener who may not have read indistractable which by the way if you haven't i highly recommend you do very good book um could get the full context just such an incredible podcast guest somebody who is clearly an absolute professional in what he does um and if you haven't listened to it i highly highly recommend you do go and listen to it. i said it at the time when i recorded it but i truly think even if i publish another thousand episodes of this podcast for the next five to ten years that hour that episode will be one of the most valuable hours of audio I ever release. The The subject matter of how to become indistractable, of how to get more done with your time, of how to actually move towards your goals and live a life which you want to live, right? Because that's what we speak about. When we're talking about meeting your goals, we're actually talking about doing the things in life that you want to do. Between that and just the way that Nir is able to hold attention, um, you want to listen to it. It's definitely going to be one of the best episodes I release. Um, guests has been a funny one recently lots and lots and lots of back and forth four or five confirmed between early june and early september i think it's the last currently confirmed one but currently no guest for next week and some very 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 exciting definitely well-known names in my inbox right now there's two <laughs> There's two that I don't think I'll get right now, if I'm being honest, because it's all a bit of a dance when you're trying to book these better known, more in demand people, and you can never tell which way it's going to go. But there's two which I don't think I'll get right now, certainly not in this kind of lap of publicity that they're currently doing. However, if I get even one of those two, that'll be a massive win. So hopefully I'll be bringing you some news, maybe this time next week, if there's not a guest episode, that there are some big whales booked in. But if not, there are still some incredible guests coming up. I'm speaking to John Yates in a couple of weeks. He has written a book called Fractured, 
about why we as a society and as a world are so divided and fractured right now and kind of the, the some of the answers to those questions very interesting i'm halfway through reading that at the moment and then i believe at the beginning of july i'm recording with luke burgess who wrote a book called wanting about mimetic desire and i first heard him maybe this time last year actually on modern wisdom and I mean, if you don't know what mimetic desire is, once you're finished listening to this, go and Google it because it's one of those concepts that you probably never heard of because I had definitely not heard of. But the second you learn about it and the second you kind of read the first three or four lines of what mimetic desire is, you can never go back because you then start to see so much of... Well, you see so much mimetic desire in real life is what I think I'm trying to say, right? The, the reasons why we want things what our desires are, how we aspire to be, we think that's all within us, right? We think that we are the choice makers of our lives and we are the kind of connoisseur of what we want to do and be, but we're not really. And that's what mimetic desire teaches us. And so I'm really excited to sit down with Luke and talk about that. Um, and the other guest news, it's not great news, but I've kind of felt it coming, is that uh, Johan Hari has... Uh, pulled away so he's currently away writing his new book i don't know what it's about uh, now of course I'm, I'm sure johan won't mind me saying this because he uh, he made it fairly public over on twitter um, around the time when we were initially going to record he had to step away from doing uh, things like interviews because a member of his family um, or somebody close to him uh, passed away and then he has since been away researching and writing his new book. And so it's completely understandable now that so much time has passed since Lost Connections came out. I think it's been out for about four or five months. Um, it's only right that Johan's mind is now in the space of working on his new book, right? Because I imagine, I've never written a book, but I imagine the process of writing a book over a few years means that you need to be very deep into a particular subject matter, especially as a journalistic author like Johan is. He, he really delves in to any given subject matter um, and almost immerses himself in it. And we learn that when we read the beginning of Lost Connections and the trip that we took, he took away. Um, or we learn that when we read, um, well, basically any of his books, to be honest, like he really immerses himself. And so um, it's not happening right now. I'm assured that when his new book is out, he'll pop on and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he is a man of his word. And I'm very excited about that. I don't know what we'll be talking about because I don't know what the new book's about, but give it a couple of years. And I'm sure that Johan will be sat here speaking to you through the screen on this podcast. And I'm excited for that. Um, and then something else, sorry to, I always just talk about the podcast on these kind of episodes on the podcast, but something that's really interesting that's happened four times recently is I have been asked to jump on a call and give advice to people who have their own podcasts and to me that feels baffling not because I feel like I'm not qualified I mean evidently I am right I've released 119 episodes of this by the time you listen to this one but more just because I feel personally like I am no closer to knowing the answer to some of the big questions I'm asked than I was two and a half getting on for three years ago when I first launched this thing but what is so interesting about that is that no matter whether I'm speaking to, for example, tomorrow at 1 p.m., I have a call with somebody who we know them through the business, we do work with them, and they are just about to launch their own podcast. And I know from the kind of pre-conversation that Richard has had with them that they're going to have the exact same questions as 
somebody who I'm speaking to in a few weeks who has done dozens of episodes, right? I spoke to um, Todd, a guy from New Zealand a few weeks ago, and he is about to launch his own podcast. Um, and the questions that he was asking are in some ways, many questions I still ask myself about this whole process. Um, but it's just interesting that, to be quite introspective for a second, that people, not many people, admittedly, but people now look to me for advice on the thing that I love doing. And that's quite surreal because I feel like many of us, may not, may, maybe not all of us, but many of us don't necessarily feel qualified to kind of live in the positions that we have in the minds of others. And I've never really felt that, right? Because everything we do as a business, for example, is quite private. It's hidden behind contracts and NDAs and all of this stuff. Whereas this podcast, particularly episodes like this, is me just speaking out loud, learning out loud and just being public. And so I obviously, in the minds of others with podcasts, um, exist in a certain way and have a certain set of knowledge which i'm sure i do have the knowledge but it's just interesting that it's kind of come as a bit of a tidal wave that i've never been asked for podcast advice before ever and now in the space of what did i speak to todd in the space of about three weeks i've been asked in detail questions about podcasting by four people or will have been asked there's still a couple of calls i haven't yet done um, and a fifth person messaged me yesterday asking for a very niche particular bit of advice about um, one of the softwares I use but it's just interesting that I feel myself suddenly being looked at by those with podcasts as somebody who's good at podcasting which is nice but it's also just surreal because like I say I'm definitely still learning um, and I may have what maybe a hundred hours of podcasting under my belt but there's a lot to go and there's a lot to learn and there is a lot that I still want to get right and better on this from like a production point of view, from a distribution point of view, from a communicating with publicists and guest point of view to a even the lighting, right? I was having a conversation with someone the other day about the very particular lighting that goes into the YouTube set and how I'm not quite happy with it and all of this stuff. And so it's just nice to be able to kind of share some of the things I've learned in the first 120 episodes of this with people who are a few months or years behind on their release schedules and hopefully just pass back some of the stuff that I've learned in the same way that, for example, I was inside of the Modern Wisdom Patreon a few years ago when it first launched and Chris and his video guy Dean would put advice in there about how they use sound waves in Premiere Pro to work out where to crop on episodes so they don't have to listen to the whole thing and different lighting and stuff. And it just feels cool and almost quite circular that I got lots of what I learned from those guys and now I'm able to give it to other people. And I'll be honest, there is a temptation now that I feel that there is a demand for this to in some way systemize it or even productize it, right? Because there's no way, of course, I'd ever charge any of the four people who have so far asked to do calls because they are my peers, right? I either work with them or know them or respect them or listen to their podcast. There's no way I charge them. However, I look at, for example, Ali Abdul. I know that Ali Abdul was working on a how to launch a podcast course. Ali has probably launched, sorry, recorded maybe. I know he's had a podcast in the past, but definitely no more episodes than I have, I don't think. And so as such, when it comes to the, the literal question, I know he has millions of subscribers on his YouTube channel, but when it comes to the literal question of, am I as qualified as he is to give paid advice to people on how to launch a podcast like what softwares do you use how do you get guests how do you contact people um what equipment do you use what is like a low cost 
entry equipment range what is a medium what is a high how do you distribute how do you get views on youtube like tagging videos all of this stuff that i've learned as i see that there's a demand for it and by the way this isn't something i'm going to do immediately but it's definitely now ticking over in the back of my mind that i mean the podcast itself doesn't make any money we speak about that all the time it will one day i'm sure but right now it doesn't and yet the skill set that i have picked up through just going through the motions for two and a half years every single week without fail and sitting here and talking and learning all of the stuff that this teaches me is evidently valuable because it is insight that you only get by doing this for 120 weeks in a row and so it's definitely in the back of my mind to maybe one day package this up into some sort of product I don't know what it will be um, and uh, and monetize it frankly and the same is also true actually about sobriety so at the end of this year this is a cat i'm letting out of the bag because i've been thinking about this for a long time but at the end of this year i will have not drank alcohol once for five years and as i spoke about a few weeks ago actually when it was 1500 days since i last drank in the last three and a half four years i haven't learned anything however in the first kind of hundred days of sobriety there's so much you learn and there's so much that you almost need to believe to get yourself through that period to have all of the upside and by the way i don't mean sobriety for those who have an alcohol addiction i'm not and will never be qualified to speak on that i mean people who want to voluntarily cut alcohol out of their lives for health reasons or lifestyle reasons or finance reasons right and i'm very tempted at the end of this year to uh pull together some sort of product or course to i fucking hate courses by the way this is why i'm so conflicted but some sort of thing that's like it's fairly cheap and i'll probably give half the bloody money to charity because evidently i don't do this shit for money right but to give people the framework of how they can do their first hundred days sober in the new year and take from that all of the benefits that come with it and so there we go that's uh two ideas that are definitely not in motion not least because i'm way too busy right now but they're in the back of my mind and it could be fun and then the next thing i want to talk about i'm just going to look at this tweet so i tweeted something the other night at like uh just got midnight actually which is unusual for me to be on twitter at that time at night and i said this i said filter your favorite youtubers videos oldest to newest watch their very first upload it's terrible you'll cringe but they started anyway and that's why today they're your favorite youtuber and it's because this is what while sat on my phone at midnight this is literally what i was doing i was looking at the content of people who come up on my youtube recommended page right i was watching these people and i thought like it's crazy how good a guest this podcaster has got or it's crazy how good at monologuing this podcaster has got or it's amazing how good the editing of say hamza a youtube a youtuber i love right now his editing and his editing team is incredible and his subscriber numbers are flying up and his ability to communicate a complex idea a simple message in like a six minute amazingly produced video is actually out of this world i genuinely think just to lean into hamza for a second i genuinely think he is one of the best youtubers on the platform period right and so looking at the kind of the finished product of these people although they're all a work in progress i'm sure looking at their current finished product it's easy to convince yourself that the people that you look up to the people that you wish you could be like 
have lifestyles and abilities and talents which you simply can never have because they're so fucking good at it. You know for a fact that if you were to begin now, you will not be that good. And so the overwhelming majority of people decide not to begin because they look at the finished version of something that somebody has put years into as a craft and they say, well, they're very good and they're filling a demand in this current marketplace, which is better than I ever could and therefore I won't begin. But I think that's the wrong way to look at it. And so there I was filtering these people that I admire on their YouTube channel. You literally click on their channel, click on videos, top right, filter by uh, oldest to newest. So you see their very first upload in that top left-hand corner or obviously at the top if you're on mobile. Watch the first upload of your favorite YouTuber, whoever it is, whether they are a vlogger or a commentator or a tech review person or a reaction video person or a beauty channel, whatever it is they do, they probably do it very well for them to be your favorite YouTuber. Go back, literally as soon as you finish watching this, go back to their channel, click oldest to newest. This only works if they've been YouTubing for a long time and watch their first video. And you will be fucking amazed because I promise you nine times out of 10 with all of the YouTubers that I admire and all of the YouTubers whose old content I have consumed since having this epiphany, their content is terrible. The quality is awful. The sound is rubbish, right? They are unconfident and shy and they use a bunch of um, uh, mm, like filler words. Like they just, they're not good YouTubers. And yet they're, they're right now, they're very good YouTubers. And the only thing, the only thing that made them good YouTubers and the same is true in everything else in life, right? You just can't like filter oldest to newest when someone's good at golf you can't just on demand look at their previous swing or whatever it might be but the only thing that makes anybody good at what they do today right now is the fact that one day years ago in spite of the fact that they know they weren't very good in spite of the fact that they at the time weren't as good as their idols they began anyway and I knew this, right? We all bloody know this. This is nothing new to you. However, when you go back and watch it, when you have undeniable evidence that the person that you admire who is incredible at what they do right now used to be shit, they used to not be good at it, you have no excuse to avoid beginning. You have no excuse to think that you're a worse person than they are. You have no excuse to think that you could not do what they do one day if you were to begin. And so genuinely go and do that. It's really interesting. Um, and then in unrelated news, you would have heard me speak two weeks ago on the last episode like this when I was in the school. I had taken at that point like a two week break from the gym after basically fucking dying from trying to do 75 hard. Um that break extended out to like three or four weeks. And I went back to the gym the other day, having been in, by the way, maybe not physically the best shape of my life because 2019, those days were up there way better. However, the progress that I had made between December last year and about a month ago in the gym was unbelievable. Like how I felt, how I looked, my ability, my lifts, like the weights I could move, the fact that I could do like six pull-ups. A few months ago, I could do zero pull-ups. Like the progress was incredible and I was on an absolute high and everything felt good. And then I stopped and I went back to the gym the other day. 
and it felt fucking terrible. <laughs> I was I was looking for a more eloquent way to word this, but I don't think there is one. Like everything felt heavy. My form felt a little bit off. I was hot. I was sweaty. I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I even, dare I say, because I was aware of all those other things going on, felt a little bit kind of awkward doing certain things. Like these are these are sets and reps that I have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over over the last few months. And yet a few weeks off, and even my mind was a bit like, this is, this is uncertain. I'm not sure how to feel about this. And um, I mean, it's going to be a, a bit of a, a uphill slog to get back to where I was. I'm going to do it, obviously, needless to say. However, the point of me wanting to talk about this is because, and you have to ignore the 75 hard things specifically here because I had to stop physically, right? It was just terrible. But generally, and I've learned this in lots of areas of life, including in going to the gym when I've stopped in the past, for as hard as it feels to continue something, you know, it might be December and raining outside and you need to walk to the gym to carry on going, to carry on your streak, to continue that good habit. It feels very fucking hard to continue sometimes, to keep going. And it is hard to keep going, right? But what I've learned both physically and mentally is that the only thing harder than carrying on is beginning again. When you look in the mirror and you see that some of your progress has reversed, when you put on a certain t-shirt and you think that actually over the last month your physique has regressed slightly, when you go back to the gym and you feel a bit uncomfortable and you genuinely feel out of weight lifting weights which are lower than what you could lift a month ago quite easily, when all of that greets you at the door when you have to drag yourself back to the gym or indeed drag yourself back to anything else in life that feeling is so much harder to overcome than the feeling of oh well I don't really want to go today but I'm gonna go anyway right and so the only thing to say here um, and it's what I always talk about right momentum but the only thing to say here is that I have once again learned as I keep learning in life that it is harder to begin again than it is to continue. And so if you happen, as you listen to this right now, to be facing a challenge in your life right now, no matter what it might be, where you're thinking, actually, I'm on a good run, but this is getting tiring, or I'm not yet seeing the results, or I wish there was a shortcut, or I'm not quite feeling it, but you still believe in it, just keep going. Because the only way you fail is when you stop and if you want to begin again after that point, it will be so much harder than if you just grind and get through it. And I've learned that again this week. Um, and then the last thing, this is quite weird because I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this, to be honest. But I found myself a few times recently having conversations with people in which we try and uncover you can tell the kind of conversations I have, in which we try and uncover the reasons why, deep down, we as individuals do the things we currently do, right? So I have certain traits, for better or worse, which I kind of just accept a part of me, right? They're just, oh, that's just something I do. That's just what I'm like. That's just my personality. But a really interesting thing happens when you begin to kind of turn over rocks and try and understand what caused me to be this way. What caused this behavior or this belief or this trait of mine to exist? Because, and I'm not qualified to speak on this, but whilst I'm sure some things come from 
evolution or our heritage or our inherited there are many 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 behaviors that you and i both have which we perhaps would be better without which don't necessarily serve us which aren't pushing us towards the things that we want in life but that we have anyway and i don't know if they can be overcome i imagine they can that's what i'm banking on that is where this is going with all of these conversations i've been having with people but the first thing that i need to work out before I can even begin to ask the questions around, can I change this belief or can I change this trait of mine or can I, you know, have more confidence or more belief or whatever it might be? I think before you even address those questions, it's good to demystify them by stepping away from the idea that it's just who you are. This negative trait of yours is just you and it's one of your quirks because it can be if you want it to be. And like if you, if, if that behavior serves you, great, crack on, do it. But and I believe there's lots of research to back this up, although please do correct me if I'm wrong. The formative years of our childhood cause us to be the person we are in ways beyond what I can even currently comprehend. And that's not me saying that I had any fucking traumatic event in my childhood because I absolutely didn't. I had a great childhood. However, there are certain beliefs that all of us have instantiated within us by society or school or friends or parents or tv or whatever it might be when we're too young to understand the eventual consequences of them that we then hold on to as fact and we believe and we live our life through this paradigm that was given to us and i'm banking on the idea that some of those beliefs aren't necessarily true and that they are definitely malleable actually let's go back to that word right what i spoke about a couple of weeks ago that talk that i gave in the school I think many of the things which we believe to be facts about ourselves are just opinions given to us. And it's just weird because I've had that conversation just by chance with like two or three people at least that I can think of, probably more. So it's just interesting. It's an it's an open feedback loop right now. I don't know what the conclusion is. I don't even know like the rough shape of what the thoughts are that I'm trying to put out there right now. But it's definitely something I'm going to touch on again because I just think it's a really interesting thing. If you're in a place in life right now where it's useful for you to do this, I'm not saying like if you're currently in the middle of an existential crisis, maybe don't try and ask these big questions. But if you're just fairly comfortable and intrigued and you're a curious person like I am, I do think it's useful to have a framework to kind of question these things and just see kind of what sticks and what doesn't. And I think that's all I have. So thank you as always for listening. I don't think there'll be a guest next week. There might be one. I might slide one in, but I like to record episodes with guests here in this room in Wales. And I'm leaving here tomorrow for a week, which means that probably the next time we speak, it'll be a solo episode like this one. And I will be in Corby but either way whatever happens um thank you as always for listening I hope you have a good week and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 120 of life and lessons see you then
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.